This is Rob Stein, and welcome to the Impossible to Fail podcast. I'm a multi-business-owning entrepreneur that has cracked the code to launching careers to massive success. Over the past 20 years, I've developed a life-changing process that has allowed me to achieve a level of wealth and financial freedom that I previously thought was only possible for the select few. These principles are universal for any industry, and I've personally applied this process to transition from a teacher with a master's degree to an award-winning music composer and publisher, championship-level bodybuilder, top-producing real estate agent and team leader, and entrepreneurial coach. If you want to achieve the financial success and time freedom that you deserve, you simply need to make it impossible to fail. Welcome to another episode of the Impossible to Fail podcast. Uh, I'm super excited for my guest today. I know I say that a lot, but today is really special because as you know, the impossible to fail framework, the first step is getting the blueprint, taking the shortcut to success by finding someone that's accomplished exactly what you're trying to do and learning from them and doing exactly what they say. And my guest today is my real estate coach, my team coach, one of the top names in the industry who has coached me in getting my solo career to become one of the top 5% agents across the country and coached my team to help us accomplish the same thing. Uh, and I'm just so excited to welcome my guest today, Mr. Sean Kokoska. Sean, welcome. Rob, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So let me give you a little background about Sean. Now, Sean uh, is referred to as the billion dollar agent because that's right. He has sold over a billion with a B dollars of volume in his career. Uh, he had a huge 30 person plus team when he was in production. He's consulted for some of the top companies in the world, Fortune 500 companies like Pepsi, FedEx and others that you've heard of. Uh, he coaches the top real estate agents and teams and brokers in the world. And um, he happens to live right here in the greater Austin area. And we synced up years ago and have hit it off. And now we get to do some work together. It's just been absolutely wonderful. So, Sean, thanks again for, for coming on today. Rob, once again, it's my pleasure, man. I'm, I'm just fired up, man. Let's add some value to people today. Absolutely. So I always like to ask, you know, how did you, how did you get started? Because uh, I, I'm assuming that when you decided to get into real estate, you didn't snap your fingers and start and sell a billion dollars in volume, did you? No, no. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case yet. I grew up around real estate. My mother was a real estate agent. Many of you have heard the story if you've taken the bold training program that we wrote for Keller Williams with over 750,000 graduates. I'm sure there's many people that are listening to your podcast that have taken that program. You learned that when my brother and I were you know, three and four years old, my mother used to go canvas neighborhoods, meaning door knocking. And she put us in a little red wagon and she would pull us through the neighborhood as she would go and knock on the door. And, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's, that's, you know, torture, that's child abuse. And yet, you know, the, if they had kids, it's kids come out and play in the front yard with us while my mom had a conversation about their goals and real estate and things like that. So it was actually kind of fun and it had no effect on me, effect on me, effect on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I grew up around real estate. Uh, as we got older, you know, my brother and I were charged with delivering flyers to her farm areas. And we did that every single weekend. Uh, we would go to her uh, open houses with her. She's a single mom raising two boys. And then I started answering phones at the office. And then I, I finally got my real estate license. I was kind of kicking and screaming. I didn't want to do it because I saw how hard she worked. Yeah. Yet I finally got licensed at age 20. And I always joke and say I had two first years because it wasn't like straight out of the cannon on to extraordinary success. No, it's challenging. Like uh, the market wasn't that great. Interest rates were really high. If you think you're dealing with high interest rates today, you should have been doing it back then. Yet uh, 
you know, this goes back 32 years ago now. And um, so I, I, had, I took my first listing, Rob, and this is kind of fun. It was $18,000. It was a condo. Now this is during the, the HUD days and all of that, the foreclosure yeah. days. And it took me six and a half months to get the property sold. And I collected a whopping 2% commission. So do the math. <laughs> so 2% it, commission. So <laughs> 360 bucks. That's exactly right. <laughs> it took me six and a half months to get it done. Wow. And yet once I opened my mind to coaching and accountability, um, man, I'll tell you what, after that, that first six months and it started clicking for me, man, yeah. my second year in the industry closed over a hundred buyer side transactions as a buyer's agent on the mm -hmm. team. And by the way, at, you know, 21 to 22 years old, making uh, many times over a hundred thousand dollars in commission dollars per month. So it, it takes a little bit of time to get traction in real estate sales. Here's my input. It takes tenacity. Yeah. I mean, you can be a dream believer, you can be a dream buyer, and it's your choice, right? See, dream believers are always in abundance, yet dream buyers are rare. Every dream we have, it comes with a price tag. Right. So I made the decision, I'm going to pay that price every single day. And I also recognize there's really three things I could control at this time in my life, right? It was number one, what I said. Number two, how I said it. And finally, number three is how many people I could say it to. So I recognize even if I didn't have a lot of skill, if I talked to enough people, eventually I'm going to find the motivated. I'm going to find that one person who wants to engage with me and, and transact business with me. Yet motivated prospects, gang, they're located, they're not created. So simply put, the more conversations you can create, the more appointments you're going to set. So I went on to you know, start building a buyer agent team within the, the organization, the team itself. So a team within the team that I, I took over that buyer agent team, I started managing the other agents, then went to the listing side of the business, ultimately took over the entire team and then sold that team years, years later to move down to Austin, Texas, where I reside now. Yet there was, there's a couple of interim steps there. See, at, at about age 23, you know, people started noticing that I'm closing so many buyer side transactions and they couldn't figure out, well, how does he do that? Right? Because buyers are somewhat time consuming. Sure. So what I did is I read a book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Love and that's that all book. About building, yeah, it's all about building systems yeah. in kind of a Six Sigma approach to where you do it the same way each and every time. I, I fell in love with the book. I, I spent 10 grand to fly out to California, get my E-Myth certification with Michael Gerber, mm -hmm. came back to the office on fire, man. And I systemized everything to where we did it the same way every time. We modified only for the dominant behavior characteristics of the prospect or client and as a direct result, the business became predictable. It became smooth and fluid. Yeah. Now, around this time, I was also picked up by organizations like iReal, iSucceed.com, Howard Brinton Seminars, National Association of Realtors. You know, independent broker owners would hire me to fly out and give presentations all over the country, all over North America, for that matter. And you know, so I, I found that to be kind of satisfying, fulfilling, to add value to others, mm -hmm. but there's no real intention behind it. It was just, hey, if you want to listen to me, I'll talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was no purpose. There was no real why. It was kind of the relentless pursuit of more. Now, I built a team to the point that I didn't need to be there anymore. So I, I found myself traveling about 200 days a year, giving about 110, 115 presentations uh, throughout the year and just having a blast doing it. Yet at age 28, my wife and I had our first child. And Rob, I know you can relate to this, right? I, yep. didn't, I didn't want to be out on the road that many days a year anymore. I wanted to be home to, to spend time and help raise this little baby. Mm -hmm. Again, I built the real estate team to the point I didn't necessarily need to be there. So I looked at my resources. I said, well, what do I know? And I'm not a smart man. I, I do know real estate though. So I, I thought, what are the line extensions that need to be added to the team 
in order to wring it out, to increase the profit. So I first started by starting a mortgage company, then a title company, then I got into land development, and then finally home building. We were up at six income streams on one transaction. And man, I got to tell you, we were crushing it. We were killing it. At one point, we had about 65% market share of any home being built in Denver or the suburbs of Denver above a million dollars. And we were custom builders. We were luxury builders. Everything we did was above a million. Now, everything was going great. Seriously, it was millions of dollars month after month. And I kept reinvesting, rolling up my sleeves. And it was incredible until 2008. And the market just shifted on a dime, man. I'll tell you what. Buyers are walking away from quarter million dollar earnest money deposits, leaving me with the bag now. Um, as I said, I'm not a smart man. I personally guaranteed every one of my construction notes. Now, I had 16 land developments, over 100 homes under construction. I was in debt to the construction lenders, about 130, 135 million, and had about 32 million of my own cash invested in the market. And uh, man, it was blood in the streets, dude. I'm telling you, it was deeds in lieu of foreclosure. I mean, what do you do? when you own a whole bunch of something that nobody wants. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did. I became a short sale expert, buddy. And I, <laughs> I negotiated short sales on all the properties I owned and deeds in lieu of foreclosure, working with the banks. And man, it was two and a half years of torture. I mean, complete torture. And it got so desperate at several points during that time in my life, Rob. I was adding up my life insurance policy, wondering, would my family be okay if I weren't here anymore? You know what I mean? It was that depressing. Yeah. It was that cold. And so... During that, the lowest of lows, guys, we have the opportunity to have our most personal growth because we were beat down to the point that now all of a sudden we're open-minded. We're open to saying, okay, something needs to change. And what I realized is that change had to be in me. See, at that time in my life, I was, I was playing the victim role, right? I was blaming everyone and everything for my circumstance. I was justifying my actions and I was complaining about everything. Now, here's something I've learned since scientifically it's been proved, proven that like energy attracts like energy. See what we focus on expands. And I was focused on all the negative things in my life. Therefore, I kept getting more and more negative things. And it was trying to reprogram my mind to really focus on positive things. See, because if you focus on the positive things, you receive abundantly more things to be positive about. So, you know, I closed down the development company, the home building company, closed down the mortgage operation, which was in hindsight, a massive mistake. See, when everybody was running away from the mortgage industry, I should have run right to it. I learned when they zig, you've got a zag. Yep. I have a, a friend of mine who ran toward the mortgage industry and, uh, you know, now he, he nets about $47 million a year from that mortgage operation. Not bad. It's not, not bad. enough to live on. It's not, not enough to live on, but it's a good start, right? Yep. So. So I, I closed down all the companies. Um, most of the agents had left the real estate sales team because again, there's blood in the street. So I jumped back into what I knew how to do at a very high level. And I started rebuilding the real estate sales team and then built that, that real estate sales team to the point that I could ultimately sell it. And in the discovery of the why, the purpose, see, I, I felt if I could learn everything I could about this industry to educate other agents after looking back on my life saying, okay, where did I find the most profound impact? Where did I find the most fulfillment and add the most value. And it was when I was up on stage, when I was adding value to others to teach them the shortcuts to success. And so again, I felt if I could learn everything I could about the industry, then transfer that knowledge to others to number one, keep them out of a desperate financial position that I found myself in. Number two, to 
improve their knowledge, their skills, their mindset, their habits, such that they'll be able to provide for themselves and their loved ones for years and years to come, no matter the market conditions. So the discovery of the why is what drove me to rebuild the real estate sales team, to sell that sales team, to move down to Austin, Texas, and help Diana Kokoska, my mother, and Gary Keller start Keller Williams Maps Coaching. And with that why, with that fuel in the tank, we grew that, that training and coaching company within Keller Williams to be the world, the world's largest real estate training and coaching organization in the history of real estate. So I think discovering the why, the purpose is really step number one. If you've read Start With Why by Simon Sinek and you've analyzed the golden circle, there's three questions as leaders that we all must ask ourselves, right? It's what are we gonna do? How are we gonna do it? And why are we doing it? And we as leaders, if we're honest with ourselves, when we pull our teams together or we sit down to do our business planning, we generally start outside in and the outside of the circle is the what. So, okay, what am I gonna do in 2023? I'm gonna close 400 transactions. I'm gonna close 12 transactions. Whatever your goal is, just recognize, recognize the definition of success according to Webster's Dictionary, it's getting what you want. So if you wanna close 10 transactions a year and you do that, you're a massive success in my eyes. If you wanna be like one of my clients, Mark Spain, 8,800 transactions last year, and you're doing that, you're a massive success in my mind. So I don't care what you choose to accomplish as long as you're getting what you want, you're a massive success in my mind, no right. doubt about that. Let, let, let's talk about, about that for a moment, getting what you want. I mean, that was so, that, that was such a great detail of, of your journey here, and I took a lot of good bullet points. Um, so I would like to just circle back on some of these, th some of these things because it's, it's a lot of, of, of topics that not just agents but entrepreneurs in general go through. Um, wh when you talk about getting what you want, do, I think we're both on the same page that a lot of people don't really know what they want. They this don't really take the time to get real specific on it to say, well, I want to make X money or I want to start a business or I want more control of my schedule. But let's get really specific on that because if you don't know what exactly you want, you, you can't create specific, measurable, time-bound goals to get there. So if someone, you, you know, if, if someone doesn't really have a good target on what exactly they want, how would you advise them to really dig into that? Because that's a lot of introspection and self-reflection that it takes to say like, well, sure, it's easy to say like, I want a lot of money. I want to start a business. I want to be self-employed. I want control. But what exactly do you want? Because how can you measure something that isn't very specific? Yeah, well, you can't manage what you don't measure. So, you know, whether you're going to ground it in a time frame or if there's a number associated with that, like how many transactions you want to close, you can't just say, oh, I want to close a lot. Now, what, what does that actually mean? Specifically, how much money do you want to make? Then reverse engineer it and figure out how many transactions. Yet there's an assignment that I would give everybody who's listening to this podcast, if I could be so bold. Please. And that would be to develop a list of a minimum 100 things you want in three basic categories. Number one, personal accomplishments. Second, material possessions. And third, financial achievements. And they don't have to be weighted equally in each three area. Uh, the point being, just get to 100. Go granular with it. Go deep with it. Now, most people, they run out of things that they want around 20, 25 things. And quite fr frankly, Rob, they start cheating. They go to Google and type in what do people want? <laughs> oh yeah, I want that too, right? Yeah. And so the, the point being though, 
go as deep as you possibly can to identify what you want. Because sadly, most people take an average approach to identifying what they want. And even worse, an average approach on how they're going to get it. Now, this to me is also step number one to raise your financial thermostat. And unwittingly, we've all set a financial thermostat, just like the thermostat on your wall. If it's set at 72 degrees, if it gets too cold in the room, the heater kicks on. If it gets too hot in the room, the AC kicks on. And it keeps it right at that 72 degree mark. And most people, when they're on track to accomplish their goal, what they do is they take their foot off the gas pedal. So if you're on track to accomplish your goal, here's my input, raise it. <laughs> Seriously, raise it. Yeah. But if you, here's the bottom line, okay? If you don't know what you're going to do once you've made the money, then you'll never work hard enough to gain the money. Man, that is so true. I remember that, that was actually one of the first assignments you had me do years ago when we started coaching together. And I remember I got through like 30 to 35 and I'm kind of like drumming my fingers on my desk, <laughs> really getting specific with it. Um, but it's a fun exercise because I think most people are afraid to dream on that scale because, you know, there's fear of failure, but I think fear of success can also <laughs> be equally as paralyzing because Another people get let their self-doubt kick in. Um, and, and they start thinking, well, you know, it's very common in society today to feel like you're supposed to suffer, like you're supposed to, like when someone says, Hey, how are you? That you're supposed to have problems rather than talk about, you know, if you're thriving and you talk about your success, you're bragging. But if you're talking about all the problems you have, then it's okay. And, and really in order to do that, like you said, it's about surrounding yourself with people that can raise your thermostat. In, in my book that's coming out uh, in, in a couple months, The Impossible to Fail, there's a whole chapter on finding your tribe. And I talk about how when I got into real estate is, is when I really started getting around those like-minded entrepreneurs. And when you're around those type of people that you give them your ideas and instead of, I guess, the average person on the street that says, you can't do that, why would you do that? That's too hard. Go work a job for 40 years and get the golden handcuffs. When they say, hey, I've done that. I've done that before and you can do it too. Like for example, when I was, uh, when we were working on my team shor shortly after you and I started working together and we were coaching on my team and we had you know, some $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 profit months and you said, Rob, you're gonna set a target for a $100,000 a month. Now, you've been there. And so for you and your circle, that's a commonality. For me, that was the first time I ever heard something like that. And I remember thinking, what? <laughs> this guy's crazy $100,000 month yet. By talking about it with you and by coming up with goal setting and implementing it, we did it. Within seven months of, of coaching with you, we had our first $100,000 month. But it was because I surrounded myself with people like you and other people at the events I was going to that were accomplishing those kind of things. So expand a little bit on on how like was there a time in your life I mean and maybe it was a little different because your family always came from real estate but you know talk about the importance of surrounding yourself with those types of people because I don't think it's possible to succeed without doing that well first off we become who we associate ourselves with no doubt about that yeah. it's been said if you added up your five closest friends level of income you then divided that by the number five you'll probably be within a few thousand dollars of that number now please take this in the spirit I mean it I have plenty of friends who don't have a lot of money. That's not the point. The point is to begin associating yourselves with people who do in fact make a lot of money because what they're gonna do in the process, they're gonna stretch your thinking. Yep. And once your mind is stretched, it never goes back to its original form. I remember I was in a Howard Brinton conference 
I sit in the front row and about three people down from me was a guy named Randy Keys. And um, he was called out from Howard Britton on stage because he had what they then named the Key Day. It was a $100,000 commission income in one day. Now this goes clear back to the early 1990s though, where the average sales prices were about maybe 20% of what they are today. Wow. So to accomplish I, that at that time. At that time, yeah, that was, it was like 32 closings in one month to have that. And, and one of those was the key day to, yeah. to have a $100,000 commission income in one month or one day. So anyway, it, it just kind of blew my mind. And while I'd had a couple of $100,000 commission months under my belt, having that key day was just, it, it just stretched my mind. And, and I started thinking differently. I started thinking bigger. See, the bigger you think, the bigger relationships, actions, and habits you begin to form. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And if people aren't laughing at your goals, guys, you're just not thinking big enough. Man, that is so true. And I think I think your goals need to give you a little bit of a bit of a knot in your stomach. You know, because oh, yeah. if you have a goal that that you say to yourself, no problem, one hundred percent achievable, I'm not even breaking a sweat about it, obviously you're not stretching enough and there's no way you're gonna grow. And I think anyone that becomes a real estate agent or an entrepreneur in general, no one imagines doing that just to make ends meet. No one imagines, if you ask someone, what do you visualize? And I do this all the time. It's one of the first questions I ask when I'm doing a virtual or speaking event. You know, what do you imagine when you think financial freedom? And it's always control the schedule. I'm on the beach. The money's coming in. I'm spending time with my family. I'm traveling. No one says, oh, man, I'm working 80-hour weeks, and it's awesome, and I'm still stressed about paying the bills, but I'm doing it on my own time. Like, no, no one says that. But in order to get to that place, you need to be able to, to expand your mind to create more aggressive goals, goals that scare you at one time. And eventually, when you accomplish them, you're going you're gonna to have new goals. Like, like if someone told me, 10 years ago, I'd be where, I, even five years ago, I'd be where I am now in five years. I would say, that's amazing. I'm going to get there. I'm going to coast in cruise control on the right lane. There's no way I could ever want more money than that or live in a different house than that or, or that. That is my life on autopilot. And now I'm here and I still feel like I'm light years ahead from where, <laughs> where I want to be now. I mean, have, did you experience something like that? Because you've, yeah. what, what you've accomplished is, uh, I mean, in, insane in, in the real estate world. So were there times in your career that, that you said, Hey, you know what? Like, I never thought I'd be here, but now I want to do something greater, not necessarily for more money, but just to keep succeeding and doing bigger and better things. Well, always it, to me, it's the acronym of CANI, right? C-A-N-E-I, which stands for constant and never ending improvement. Ooh, Yet like that. the universal model of change really comes into play here. I want you to think back, Rob, to your very first job, whether you were still in school or you out of school. Yeah, I was, uh, I was in there? high school where I was 14 working at Target. Right on. And how much money did you make per month? I'm just curious. Oh, man, per month, probably uh, maybe like six to seven hundred bucks. And at the time, was that adequate? Oh, yeah, sure. And at that time, were you happy with six to seven hundred dollars a month? I was ecstatic, man. I was a freshman in high school. That's a good deal. <laughs> Right. And how would you feel about that level of income today? Uh, <laughs> I mean, how would I, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man, I'd be starving living in a box on a corner or something. <laughs> so this really speaks to the universal model of change. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to use my hands on, and I could pull up a slide, but uh, here, I'm just going to walk you through this. Okay. Imagine you're at this point in your career. 
Okay. Yeah. Let's call that point A. Okay. okay. And then you're going to trend along this, this line and you're going to hit this point um, of contentment where you're satisfied with your performance at that line from A to then you hit this position of B where you, you come to the realization that you've got more potential within you that you're currently not demonstrated. You could, mm. you could achieve so much more. So you hit this position of B, which is disappointment, right? Which is or, or rather awareness, excuse me. Yeah. And what we end up doing psychologically, and I've experienced this so many times in my life, when you're going along this horizontal line, then you're going to fall down, downward mm. toward C. Now C is disappointment, meaning I, I can do so much better. What, what am I doing here? I need to change. Something's right. got to change, right? right? And then what we do is we shoot from C up to and beyond that that previous horizontal line, like six to $700 a month, right? Yep. And then you become disappointed. I want that new car. Now I've got to pay insurance. Um, so then you get disappointed. I, that's not enough for me. And you shoot beyond that that previous horizontal line of contentment up to what I call A prime. And then you go from A prime and you go along the point of contentment to the point that you've improved your knowledge, your skills, your mindset, your habits, and you become disappointed, right? So you come back down again, but then you shoot back up to another A prime. So you can see the, the trajectory line, how it's consistently on the uptick. And, and here's what I've learned. The faster you can go through this universal model of change, the higher your level of income becomes. So it's, it's dissatisfaction that often motivates us, right? It's through the contrast. Are you with me? Yes, I am with you. And that goes back to something earlier, Sean, that you said about um, when you hit the one of the lowest lows that you had after you built all these companies, 2008, you're riding high and all of a sudden everything changes and you're at a point where you can either flex or quit. That's right. And you had to pick one of those. And, and I say frequently that failure is only failure if it's permanent. And the reality is that if you take someone like yourself or someone like me or anyone that is a, that other people could perceive have, has achieved big things, it's easy to have the perception that there was never any downward spiral, that there was never any potential real caveats where things could have gone wrong, and it only went up and up and up and up and up. But the reality is that we all have the same setbacks. And really, the, the, the more successful you become, the more substantial those potential failures can be. Whereas if you're working at a nine to five for minimum wage and you lose that job, you can go get another one. If you're operating a company that's generating millions of dollars a month in revenue and all of a sudden the market changes, that's a substantial problem. And you could have quit. Like you said, I mean, you were, you were contemplating some real serious stuff in your mind, yeah. but you said that you will not be a victim of circumstance. You changed your victim mentality to take control and learn, all right, I can't do anything about the market conditions, but what I can do is flex the way I interpret them and the way I handle them and my business model. And then you, you, you made that change there. And when people are, are faced with that, the, the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is the successful people don't let that stop them from taking action they take the right action because the reality is for, for all the listeners, we all face the same hesitation, the same doubt, the same issues, the same problems. But the benefit is that when you are in business for yourself and you're taking control, you have the complete flexibility to decide how you're going to interpret that. If you, when people say, you know, how can you become a business owner when you have the job security of working at this other company? Well, the reality is, 
that company is still owned by an entrepreneur that has become so successful that you deem their business as stable. But all it takes is one serious economic downturn and for them to fire 50% of their employees for that stable job to not be stable anymore. But when you're in business for yourself, you have control over how you do it and you actually turn that around to become more, more profitable and to make sure that you didn't let, you, that you didn't fail because you didn't quit, you flexed. That's right, that's right. So it starts with the why, right? Yep. Why do you choose to be successful, okay? Then what are you gonna do? How are you gonna do it? So in essence, you need a rock solid business plan that's going to provide you as well as anybody who chooses to align with your vision with a profound sense of clarity. Yeah. It's knowing that what they're gonna do, how they're gonna do it, by when must it be accomplished. Then it really becomes about training and accountability. Yes. Yep. And Robbie, you can spaces. Yes. Absolutely. Let's talk about that training and accountability for a second because that is a huge part of the impossible to fail framework is the training and accountability. You start with the blueprint which is in essence the training, but the accountability is something a lot of people struggle with. And you know, most people that become business owners or go into entrepreneurship typically don't, don't start there. I didn't, um, you, you, I think it also depends on the family. Like your family was in that world and that's where you dove into. Your son is on my team. That's what. Yes. That's where he dove into. Um, I started as a middle school teacher and became, uh, you know, got into real estate. And uh, after building my first business, and I think most people for real estate, at least specifically, that's usually like their third, fourth, fifth, sixth <laughs> attempt at doing something. And a lot of people are really successful when someone else holds them accountable. And I've seen it myself on my team where I have someone coming from corporate that was a top producer in their company that was earning, you know, eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year. And I falsely assumed this, you know, years ago when I started my team that, oh, they're gonna be great. And no, <laughs> they're not no. because they have to hold themselves accountable. They don't right. they don't go into a to their office and do the same thing every day. They have to go out and find their prospects. They have to sift for gold when there's nothing stopping them. You know, everyone fantasizes about working from home, but the reality is when there's nothing stopping you from putting on your sweats and watching Netflix all day, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? And that accountability is so, so important. And that's where having at least a coach, a group coaching, an accountability partner, something, someone to help keep you accountable. Um, you told me once, and this has stuck with me forever, that you know we'll frequently have no problem disappointing ourselves, but we <laughs> will have a big problem disappointing other people. That's the truth. Talk about your thoughts on, on accountability and what can people do to maintain higher levels of accountability in their own life? Well, you already spoke to it. I mean, it's, it's one of the greatest challenges in the real estate sales industry. We're independent contractors. Yeah. We want all the freedom. We want all the flexibility. And man, we struggle with ways to be accountable to the actions required yeah. for us to achieve our goals. So with that said, um, a lot of people, when they hear that word accountability, it just makes them cringe, right? Yeah. Yeah, think, let's break the word down. Accountability, it ends with one word, right? It improves your ability to accomplish your goals. When you're, when you're open to accountability, when you're open to coaching, when you're open to training, then I believe you're now open to extraordinary success in your life. No doubt about that. Yep. Now, a question I would have for every one of our listeners today, that would be, would you like to be held accountable or do you want the mindset to be accountable? Mm. 
totally different, isn't it? That's completely different. It's like, it's like, you know, do you want the fish or do you want to learn how to fish? There you go. There you go. So, you know, there's uh, something that you can go to iconcoaching.com, uh, go to the resources tab. You're going to find the 66 day challenge. See Megan Oten out of the University College of London in Australia did a ton of research around habit formation for us. And uh, her research suggests that it doesn't take just 21 days to form a habit, as many of you guys have heard. It takes on average 66 days. They say, Sean, why is that important? Well, F.M. Alexander put this quote forward and it literally changed my life. When I got my mind around this quote, he said, people do not decide their future, they decide their habits. Mm. And their habits decide their future. Yep. See, to me, having the habit of proactive lead generation, having the habit of relentless lead follow-up, yep. having the habit of doing one open house every single weekend. I mean, these are the habits that are going to provide success and income to you and your family. There's no doubt about that. And yet the challenges in, in Megan's research, if you could imagine an L-shaped graph, right, where the vertical line on the graph represents the amount of discipline required to sustain an activity, for example, 10 live conversations every day. The amount of discipline required and the horizontal line represents the amount of time that you must apply discipline to own that action as a habit. Yeah. So you can imagine the, the curve on this graph, right? Where the amount of discipline required when you start something new and you start something different, 10 live conversations a day, the amount of discipline you need is about as high as it would get. And Megan referenced that being 95% discipline, 5% habit. And yet the curve of the graph comes down over time and the amount of discipline required diminishes greatly. And she was looking for that magic moment where her estimation was 95% discipline mm. or excuse me, 95% habit and 5% discipline. Mm. And now that that number for Megan and her research was 66 days. Yep. Now on the low end, it was 18 days. On the outside, it was 254 days. Yep. 66 represented the average number of days. So Go download that habit tracker. It's got 66 boxes on it. And every day you do the activity that you choose to build a habit around, put an X over that box. And I want you to just focus on maintaining the chain. After 66 days, that action should have become a habit. You show up to work and it's something you just do. 100%. I have that habit tracker on my fridge right now and I actually go through it and then I implement a new habit and I get a fresh one. Um, I, and even the simple act of doing something to signify accountability there is really, really beneficial. One of the reasons um, I really take to bodybuilding and I took to bodybuilding when I hired a coach, uh, you know, I, I, that's one of those things you do it at hundred percent or you don't do it. There is no wiggle room there. And my coach, which not all coaches did, and I can understand why he did daily weigh-ins. So I had much like the habit tracker on my fridge, just boxes. And I would write in the date, and first thing in the morning, I would weigh myself, and cool. I would write the weight. And some people have an issue with that because the reality is your body just fluctuates. You got water, you got waste in there, and it can be really uh, screwy with your head when you have a day that is a low-calorie day, and you do a ton of cardio, and you really restrict yourself, and then the next day, your scale weight goes up, and you mm -hmm. go what is going on here? But what we did was we took the lowest weight of the week and that was my weight that we counted for the week. And every morning I knew I was going to have to write that down. And when I wrote that down, I didn't want anything in my head that said, man, I'm writing this down and it could probably be lower, but I messed up yesterday. I didn't want that. And so the accountability tracker is awesome. I highly recommend all the listeners go download it. And I think, and I was speaking to a group of about 160 performers in the marching arts last weekend. Um, and we were talking about habits. And someone asked me, 
you know, number one, does the level of motivation change how quickly I can form the habit? Number two, when does the habit go on autopilot? Everyone fantasizes about that. When do these habits, like, when is having those, let's say, as you said, 10 conversations a day is brushing my teeth. I don't even have to think about it. And I think to instill the consistency in the habit takes a high level of motivation. If you're not really motivated to do the thing you're trying to do, you're not going to have the consistency that it's going to take to see the results. So for sure, the more motive, the, the bigger your why behind forming the habit, then the more likely you are to achieve it. But I believe that there's a, like, like what you said, let's say that 66 days in this instance, let's say that's how long it takes. I think that habits are solidified when you get results. I think until you get results, the habit could be classified as a discipline where you're, you haven't necessarily seen the, the proof of concept yet, but you know that it takes discipline. I think discipline is doing something you may not really feel like doing, yet you do it anyway, no matter what, the discipline. Mm -hmm. But once you start seeing the results, in this instance, you have 10 conversations a day, and all of a sudden you start getting closings, and you start making money, that's when you go, this habit is worth instilling because it works. And that comes from consistency. And once you see the results, that's when that habit really starts coming on autopilot. Like when I started seeing results, not just from training, and I realized the way I eat is going to determine how I look aesthetically, no one has to convince me to stay on top of my nutrition anymore because I see the habits that have formed. I see the results that form from the habits. Um, did you have a point in your career where – there were, you were doing something that maybe seemed a little foreign to you, but once you really started seeing the proof of concept, you went, yep, th this is where it's at right now. Yeah, only everything, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> only everything. Only everything. Yeah. <laughs> but absolutely. Um, so here's the secret, guys. To identify actions that are going to bolster your career, that are worth building habits around, then apply discipline to those actions to the point that you bring it to what I call automaticity. Yep. You just show up to work and you just do it. And you do it consistently, repetitively, undoubtedly. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the repetition. And that's really how you achieve mastery is through repetition. Um, especially like when I'm sure, you know, when I'm coaching agents, when you're coaching agents, we see the same thing. They're like, oh, I got the script. I said it a couple times. I'm good. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not right. It's, it's when you, when it comes across so effortlessly that others would perceive it as effortless, it's because you took the time to achieve mastery, which takes years. It takes hundreds, hundreds of reps to achieve mastery on something. And I think that's something a lot of entrepreneurs forget when they start their business is you don't just have to learn what to do. Even when you learn what to do, you have to develop the skill set. So simply knowing what to say, how to say it, knowing how to get prospects, how to close, how to get the money is not enough. You have to build your skill set. I used the example previously of when I started my business, I used primarily open houses to, to really generate uh, my first you know, real serious income. And it took me about five months to get my first clients. And I was still doing open houses every Saturday, every Sunday. The diff and I'm sure that in those first five months, I had clients that slipped through my fingers because I didn't have the skill set yet. Now, the amount of work I was doing in month one to month six didn't change. I was working the same hours, doing the same things, but the difference is that I grew my skill set enough through mastery to actually start, to, so it could start working. Well, undoubtedly. And so it's not just about repetition, though, gang, right? It's about evaluated repetition. 
So after every conversation, even if it was a 10 on a scale from zero to 10, ask yourself, what could I have done to make that a 12? After every open house, once you wrap it up, was it zero to 10? What was it? It was a four. Okay, what can I do to bring that to a 10, right? Yep. So it's about evaluated repetition. It helps you get to mastery so much faster. You know, my coach, John Maxwell, he wrote a book, Today Matters. And in the book, he outlines the fact that the archer who misses the target turns and looks for fault within him or herself. Mm. So you guys, remember the bullseye's fault if you miss the target, right? Yeah. So it's about evaluated repetition, no doubt. It's also about maybe a new mindset because so many times, especially when you're newer to real estate, um, we're in a fix, fix, fix mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, this went sideways, I'm going to fix that. That went sideways, I'm going to fix this. And we ultimately feel more like a firefighter than we do a professional real estate agent. So the new mindset, it's not fix, fix, fix. It's fix, prevent, prevent, prevent. Yep. So this is that evaluated repetition that I'm talking about is that you did it this way and you got this result. It wasn't a 10 on a scale from zero to 10. What can I do to fix it once and prevent it from ever happening again? Yep. And, and the ability to build that into your schedule, to prorate your progress, to be able to reflect on what you're doing, the more frequently you do that, the sooner you can make adjustments. If you only do it once a quarter, you're going to be really slow to adjust versus if on a daily basis you're evaluating your performance, you can make the shift right away. I love that quote, by the way. recommend you all write that down. If you miss the target, it's not – if you miss the bullseye, it's not the target's fault. Sean Kokoska, you heard it here first. Um, Actually, well, first off, let me just digress just for a second, Rob, because I want to commend you just real fast because you know, the, the difference between extraordinary success and below average results, gang, it's merely speed of implementation. See, those individuals who achieve extraordinary success, like Rob in real estate sales, it's it's not that they're better. It's not that they're they're just faster. That's all I'm saying. They they implement and they deploy new strategies and tactics quickly. In essence, they fail faster than anyone else, and that's the bottom line. Yet they fail forward. See, not every strategy and tactic is going to work to the level that you expect it to. Yet. By failing faster than anyone else, you're going to learn what works faster than anyone else. And when you find that strategy that works, well, then it's a matter of scaling it out, right? To ring it out get as much out of that strategy as you can. Apply additional time, energy, money, resources, people, whatever it takes to get as much out of that strategy or tactics as possible. And Rob, that's you, man. I'll tell you what, I have a, a conversation with Rob on a weekly basis and I'll give him an assignment. And by the time you know the weekend is done, it's already implemented, it's already deployed. And that's that's the reason that within seven months' time you can go, you know, from zero to hero, a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> in GCI that month. I mean, that that's just amazing. So keep doing that, Rob, and everybody else. I want you to emulate that as well. Yeah, thank you, Sean. And uh, I mean when whenever someone has asked me what um, I can attribute, let's say, my biggest factor to, you know, launching a real estate business, launching a body, uh, body building career, launching a music business, and doing all of these things very quickly. It's just, I, I think it's the ability to do more things faster in a shorter amount of time than most people are willing to do. And I say willing to do, not can do, because anyone can do it. It's just the question of, number one, getting the right education, how I uh, engaged with, in this example, Sean, you as my coach, and then, like Sean said, when he gives me an assignment, I just do it <laughs> because I trust that he has the knowledge. He's done what I'm trying to do. Why would I second guess? Why would I change anything about the blueprint he's giving me? 
And eventually, as you start achieving success, maybe you realize for the way I'm running my business, I'm going to keep all this stuff and, and maybe tweak one or two of these things. But at the beginning, gang, if you haven't achieved the, what you can say confidently is a sustainable career, sustainable income to where your life is in a way that you never thought it was possible, you don't know enough to change anything about the blueprint, the authority, whoever that is, is giving you. So just follow it, man. Just follow it. Um, one other point I wanted to make, Rob, is that uh, your business, your production, your bank account balance and net worth, guys, it's going to grow to the extent that you personally grow. So again, if I could be so bold as to give them an assignment, you know, just actionable strategies and tactics to actually oh, yeah. get traction with what we're talking about, that would be to go to your annual calendar. And I want you to write down everything that you're going to do in the month of January, then February, March, all throughout the year. What specifically are you going to do? What books are you going to read? Mm. What podcasts are you going to listen to? What events are you going to attend? What coaching are you going to engage with? What training are you going to engage with? And, and when are you going to do that? To create an annual growth plan, recognizing your business will grow to the extent that you personally grow. Absolutely. Man, that is so true. Because if you're not growing, <laughs> if you're not feeding your mind first, nothing's going to happen. Sean, our last question before we go, and I always love to end with this question, um, and it, it's regarding implementing knowledge. So if you were to, let's say, take a real estate agent who's listening to this, they're, they're not, their traction isn't quite where they want it to be, and you were going to give them some advice. Now, keep in mind, listeners, you got to implement this advice because knowledge without implementation is useless. So if you were to give someone advice that if they implemented it, it would be impossible to fail, what would you say? I would say go to iconcoaching.com, go to the resources tab, and for free, download the most effective lead follow-up strategy. See, because it's not maybe that your leads are terrible, okay? Maybe your conversion strategy is. Mm -hmm. So with tens of thousands of leads analyzed, uh, I would say that this is the proven methodology to double, triple, quadruple your lead conversion. Now, let me tell you why this is important. Let's say you're generating 100 leads every month and you increase your conversion by just 2%. Is that's two deals a month. That's 24 per year. If your average GCI per transaction is 10 grand, it's almost a quarter million extra dollars. In addition to everything you're doing proactively, maybe you're calling FISBOs, expired listings. Those scripts are there too for free to download. Uh, maybe you're doing open houses, circle prospecting. Uh, maybe you're paying for some other ads through Zillow or Realtor.com, but that's in addition to just simply by increasing your conversion rate. Now, the second thing, and I know you asked for one thing, yet this is where the rubber meets the road. See, there's three things in which you can control in real estate sales, right? It's what you say, it's how you say it, yep. and how many people you say it to. I said it earlier, you had to want to say it again. So I would commit to a number of live conversations that you're going to create on a daily basis. I would download the habit tracker. I would make that the habit I choose to own 10 live conversations a day. Every day you do that, just put an X over the box, right? Practice, rehearse that seven step formula to the lead conversion conversation because there's many other subcategories kind of baked into that, that script from the closing strategy of the ABCs, the three step formula to success with your lender. It's all baked in there and it's free. Just go to the iconcoaching.com and download it. Practice it, rehearse it to the point you can't get it wrong. See, amateurs, they practice till they get it right. Yes. Professionals practice till they can't get it wrong. That's right. 100%. I mean, gang, and I mean, the proof is in the pudding because when we talk about implementation, this is the guy that I learned my skill set from that has allowed me to change my life 
other agents' lives now. I'm implementing a lot of this, coaching other agents all over the country. This stuff works, and he's offering it for free on his website. That's iconcoaching.com is Sean's website. We're going to have Sean's website, all of his info, and his resources uh, right on our channel. Now, remember, if you're listening to this, you can go check out the, the uh, recording, the video recording of this right at robstein.tv on my YouTube channel, and we're going to have all of his stuff in there, but go to iconcoaching.com because that website, it changed my life, it's going to change your life too. Uh, Sean, again, it's been such an honor and a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, and uh, I look forward to our <laughs> coaching call this week. Hey, me too. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you soon, Rob. Thank you, Sean.